This has been a whirlwind week. Or two weeks, even. You better believe it. Another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And I'm Ara. And I'm Tony. All three of us in the house tonight. Doing the show. This is going to be the last show of Tony. <laughs> I just sniffed a sigh of sadness. Yeah, you know, we've had some good feedback about you and, and your discussions. Fantastic. Were you aware of these? Or, or well, let's, talk about, up a let's talk about me. Carry on. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Ara, I sent you this email, right? Yes, we got a wonderful letter from one of our wonderful listeners about um, basically about how he heard us talk about something. And then uh, he was inspired and he went out and he did it. And I'll just read the letter. Do that. So it's our friend Carrie from Vancouver, incidentally. We've talked about him in the past. Yeah. And uh, so, Carrie, thank you so much. Um, he went to say... In between listening to the last two episodes of the show, I went to an event at a club. And I tried something simple that neither R or Tony mentioned in passing. I went up to an attractive woman with confidence, and after talking to her for a bit, I took her hands, raised them up, and placed them on the back of my neck. It was smooth. It wasn't clumsy at all. She knew what I was getting at, and it was awesome. Escalating physical contact. That's gold. Simply put, thanks for improving my life. Pretty yeah. fantastic, right? Amazing. And let me give you guys a little bit of feedback. I met this cat, right? That's why he even listens to the show. Carrie. Well, you know Carrie. Sort of. Well, I guess he's listened to the show already, but then we were at E3 and he introduced himself to me. So that's how I met him. So I was going to say my knowing him is what led him to listen to the show, but that's not true. He already listened. My point to you guys is I met this guy, not the smoothest guy in the club, in my experience. And I appreciate that he listens. Very nice. I appreciate that he loves the show. But I'm just saying, on the spectrum of nerds, as as we all are, right? <laughs> uh, he was up there with the best of them, at least in terms of his confidence when talking to me. Now, maybe he was so star- starstruck that he was uncomfortable and couldn't chat. I don't know. But I would like to think... Well, well your stature is quite intimidating, I must say. That's, I mean, although true, I would like to think that an attractive woman in a club uh, would have more of an effect on him... I hope so. ...than simply meeting yours truly. I sure hope so. So if you guys did anything to allow him to, uh, you know, to improve his confidence and, and gain this, this sort of value in his life, I mean, more impressive a feat than even you thought. Yeah, th- this, is, this is great. And this is actually... This means a lot to me, not just for the fact that, um, you know, Tony and then, you know, Tony and myself indirectly helped this guy, right? But the fact that, like, there's there's a lot of guys who don't know what to do around women, right? And they don't know how to express things in, let's just say, the optimal ways, right? But when when you see it being done, right? Or when you hear about it being done, or what you when you listen to how it can be done, then that that's that kind of gives you like a model for what you can do, right? And a lot of times people just don't know what to do because they haven't seen that model or they're not aware of that model. And once the model is shown to them, then they're like, "Oh, okay, it's like this." I, I might argue that you know uh, a gamer who stays at home and doesn't spend a lot of time with other people, plays a lot of games, you know, gains something in life. That is the experience of the games that, that he enjoys. But he also sacrifices that that social side of life. Well, right. It's it's and, like any... I mean, you can only do one thing at a time in your life if you're really honest with yourself. And every time you're doing that one thing, you're also not doing all the other things you could be doing. And so, yeah, you're always developing something, hopefully anyway, yeah. to, at the expense of other things that you're not developing because you just can't do two things at once. So that that might explain why all of us gamer nerds um, tend to not be great in social situations and with the ladies, because we're too busy playing games all the time. Um, in general, well, yes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the thing about approaching women and what's... Uh, I'm, at, I'm at a loss for how to properly frame it, Tony. What? Picking up women? Picking... Okay, fine. Picking up women... Right, it's not just about copying what other people do, right? But but to me, um, you know, one of the reasons why I had Tony here was to 
see what the model was like, right? And there's a lot more to it, too. If there's one thing that I've learned this past month, because our, our month, Tony and Ara's Adventure Month is drawing to a close, it's that, um, yeah, you know what? It's true what they say. It's actually more true, more more extremely true, the part where they say, oh, you know what? Like, you can read about it, but there's no replacement for actually doing it. And, like, they'll say, like, you should really go out 80% of the time and read about it 20% of the time. But... Tony has even expressed an even more extreme version of that, which is that reading is useless. And I am very quickly coming over to that side of the fence. It's When you read about it, you, you learn certain things, right? And there's certain, you know, Tony likes to call them gambits that you can learn about. Um, and you learn facts, you learn factual information, right? But that's completely different than actually doing it. Because doing it is the practice of the performance in the same way that learning like, okay, I'm going to make up an analogy. You guys tell me how good it is, or at least you tell me, Tony, right? It's like reading about learning guitar. You can read about it all you want, right? But it's not going to help you get better at playing at guitar, getting better at playing guitar. Yeah, exactly. You, you can memorize all the chord structures. And even when you start playing guitar, you can make a few chords, but you don't know how to improvise. And, and, you know, to be a rock star, you listen to guys that can, just play something exactly like it was written, but they can't improvise. And becoming, you know, masterful with the ladies is all about improvisation. So I would certainly, I don't know exactly what you're suggesting, that maybe you should just shouldn't I'm read suggesting or pay attention that at all. If, if any of you guys out there have any of these proclivities, like you want to get better at meeting women, then, um, you know, if you have money, you should hire Tony. But if you don't have money... <laughs> Yeah, um, absoluteability.com. Ching, ching. I was wondering when we were going to plug that again. <laughs> yeah, and and I hired Tony for a very specific reason because I had a very specific goal and I also had the money, right? But I also – I basically exchanged my money for having an easier time at it. You and know, you I'll got three it. dates this month out of it, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. Oh, there's still more coming. Right. But the thing is, if you don't have money, right, like I could have done all of this myself. I really would could have. It just would have been harder. Well, that's actually part of the point I, I just wanted to make. I, I want to make sure we're not suggesting that people just don't study at all, because there's certainly a lot of benefit from hearing others wisdom. Well, there, there is. Right. But it's, it's just they merely serve to be signposts, you know. They merely serve to be like, OK, like it's it's like this over here and it's like that over here. Right. And there's really there's so much about the actual practice of it. Just like there's so much about the actual practice of playing a guitar that you can't convey or grasp or retain or master by by reading. There's just no substitute. You just and the, the beautiful thing, there's actually there's there's a very, very reassuring and beautiful aspect to this, which is that if you keep doing it, no matter how much you suck, I'm sure Tony can attest to this, because he's gone through twenty million times more difficulty than I have in this thing and he's been 20 million times more dedicated to this pursuit than I have so far that if you keep doing it and if you keep trying no matter how badly you suck you will get better it will get better yeah so what I was trying to say is that there's still a lot to learn from other people like I just gave I I left uh, I left Arizona to go give a talk to a group of professionals in a certain industry uh, unrelated to gaming, unrelated to pickup, unrelated to radio, right? Um, something else that I do. And part of my presentation involved, listen, you know, I'm going to state some things that seem obvious, but we all agree that sometimes the obvious doesn't really get absorbed until it's stated. And um, oh, that's a lot of what I did, is saying the things that as soon as you think about it, everyone agrees. Like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Of course, right? But unless you actually hear it, then you don't even think about it and think to put it in practice. And what uh, people like Tony or, or yourself or even myself to a certain degree have gained by reading and by studying or just experiencing on our own, right? That knowledge can be passed on in a more concise way than someone, like you said, it would have been harder without him, right? Because he was helping you along the way. So there's a lot to be gained from other people's experiences. So Right. Well, well not only that, for me personally, I knew that I was, in, I was at the point in life where I just needed somebody to really just kick my ass. And just be there to like egg me on to do things that I might not instigate myself. Like a so, trainer. Like exactly. He was he's my trainer, right? So 
that was the right thing for me, right? But you could save also yourself a lot of money just by putting in the work. Yeah. Grab a friend, go to a club. You don't even need to grab a friend. I mean, friends are nice. Don't get me wrong. But well, they, they make it easier and they egg each other on. So you don't just end up sitting there like a wallflower. Certainly. Certainly. So congratulations to Carrie. Yes. And hopefully there was more than just a, uh, you know, hands on the neck thing. Now I want, <laughs> I want to uh, tell our listeners, we've talked a lot about this in the last month, uh, especially while Tony has been there and there's been a lot to chat about. And we have received, like I said, some good feedback on the topic. I don't think that for the months to come, we're going to continue on this, uh, you know, half show about pickup, half show about No, this games. is the last time we're going to talk about pickup right. games. I can tell you, personally, I'm going to want to hear your stories, your triumphant stories, even in the future. Oh, but you uh, but I, I definitely want to let the, the listeners know, you, sir, you, who is listening to this program right now, um, it's not what it's going to be about forever. So... You know, if that's not your thing, because certainly not everybody has has appreciated it, then don't worry about it. We're going to be more on the game side uh, after today. But you have a few stories that I've been waiting to hear that I have not heard yet because you promised we would talk about them on the show. And yeah, so okay, fair enough. We are going to use a few more minutes to hear those, I hope. Sure, sure, sure. So, oh my gosh, so, so many things have happened since the last show. Um, we did go to a strip club. Give me, give me just the highlights, because yeah, we have about 30 seconds. Yeah. Strip club one. So I'm just going to talk about the strip club for the 30 seconds, and then we'll come back and I'll say the rest of the story. Okay. Because make it, make it five time. seconds. Yeah. So anyway, right, so we practiced talking to the strippers. I actually got a stripper's phone number. It didn't develop into anything, right? But it was – it's actually it's a very, very great place to practice your game because it's like it's a place where all the females are cheering you on no matter what you do, and they're trying to get your money. But if you're if you're if you're suave enough, if you're smooth enough, like All right, hold, hold it. Talk to you. We'll be right back. Okay. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And so I, I had to cut you off a little bit too early there, but you're talking that's, about that's fine. gaming at the strip club. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, we got we we dabbled a little bit into the um, pick, stripper pickup game, and uh, I did get a number. It didn't develop into anything like I was saying, um, but it was it's totally good practice. And actually, if if you guys who want to practice this stuff are feeling like really really anxious about like going out to actual clubs with actual um, People who don't make their money trying to sap your money out of you for lap dances. This is actually a good place to go practice because if what I was trying to explain before we left for the break was that they, as long as you're capable of not being creepy, they are pretty much willing to sit there and listen to you. And especially if you go on like an off night like we did, right? If you can provide some interesting conversation, then they'll sit and listen to you. And it's actually a very nice way to get some feedback. Although the feedback will not be as pronounced as in actual bar because, right, the strippers are there. They want to be nice to you because they want all your money. So that's one option for practice. So it was a great experience. Tony, I think, got a free lap dance and they all, they all loved him. I got a free lap dance. I also spent one hundred dollars on lap dances, so 
But the rumor, the, the word it was, was like, buy, buy two, get the third for free. Yeah, but the word was out that the Canadian guy was a good time, and they they did enjoy me. So I got some special attention, I think, for that. Can I tell you how how futile I feel a lap dance is? Like I've never had one, and I have no desire to ever. That was have actually one. my first lap dance too, and it, just, it was uh, it was fun. Why why would I want to just get excited when I can't? I can't deal with that excitement. Tony should explain that to you because I, they usually don't do anything for me, actually. But, Tony, go ahead. Oh, man. I love women. I just – I wanted to give them the money. Like, I I didn't even care about the lap dance at first. But I liked – these girls were so hot and so nice. I just said, you know what? I want to give you my 20 bucks, which became 40 bucks. Well, became- really, it's like Monopoly money to anyone who doesn't live in the United States, right? Because our money's worth nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I love I love being around women and if they want to rub their semi naked bodies on me. The thing is it's like when you think you're just giving the money for them to dance on top of you, it's one thing, but when you actually feel like the woman's actually really attracted to you and would give you one for free, which I did get, it's a kind of a different feeling. They make you they're really good though. They're, the strippers are good. You learn a lot about game from the strippers, the way they game you. A lot about how women get what they want from men. And I just felt like rewarding them, like, here, take some of this money. And so, you know, it was fun for me. I wouldn't do that very often, though, because you go to a club and you're getting a, like, a much different energy from a lot of the women at a club than you would from a strip club because you don't have any resistance in the strip club. In a bar, when you're approaching strange women, they're going to give you resistance usually, and you have to kind of ease their fears and charm them, and it's a totally different game. But it's still fun to go see a stripper and have her dance naked on your lap. I suppose. Okay, so a couple more highlights. Yeah, this is the stuff so, I want to hear. So, all right. So, so first of all, I have to preface all this by the the main things that I've learned over this month, right, is that you know any any like shred of approach anxiety has been just completely eradicated. Ara is no longer afraid to approach women. Congratulations, Ara. So that was pretty awesome. Um, let's see. The other one is that I, I made some really serious breakthroughs in terms of being able to, you know. Basically approach somebody and start talking to them about stuff. And even if, like like Tony was saying, right, even if they're kind of, they initially are standoffish or they're initially like, oh, I don't want to talk to you or they're not giving any energy back, right? Like I really feel like I finally gained the ability to continue to engage in conversation in a, a non-weird way, and, in, in a non-needy way. And pick them up off the ground and carry them around the bar. And I'm getting to that Which one. he did the other night. I, oh, there's a, there's a couple of those I'm getting to. Um, and, you know, they call it they call it plowing in, in, in the parlance, right? Which is like, here's the funny thing, right? You know, you meet, you meet a stranger. And this doesn't even have to be in any kind of like sexual overtone um, situation. You meet a stranger and you start talking to them. You know, I mean, it's understandable, right? It's kind of a weird thing to talk to strangers. So a lot of times strangers will not be open to talking to you, right? But the thing is, is that you can, by demonstrating your performance, in a matter of speaking, to them, you can actually convince them in the space of a couple minutes, oh, I'm actually interesting. I'm actually worth talking to. And the amazing thing, which I never experienced until, you know, this month, for me was that I was finally able to actually perform that change in the person that I was approaching and talking to. And I was actually was able to have, was able to get them from like, I, who is this guy? I'm, you know, I don't know what to say or do to him to like, Oh, this is a cool guy. I want to talk to him some more. And, and a lot of that is just simply plowing, which is you talk about things and you're unaffected by the other person's reaction. Right, and so you talk, you're talking about things because you're an interesting person, and you're really just amusing yourself. It's just interesting to yourself to talk about things, and once you internalize that by just practicing over and over and over and over, you finally give off that vibe, right? And it's just it's a very like subtext, subtle thing. It's not something that's communicated very like over. It's not communicated really explicitly. It's communicated kind of implicitly. Once you give off that vibe, like then people start to open up, and that was a really, really cool thing for me to finally be able to do that. I think that's sort of the holy grail for probably uh, all of us and our listeners, right? Is getting to the point where you 
really feel comfortable just talking. Yeah, and it's the whole. I mean, it's the key to the whole thing because you have to love actually doing it. The other thing that really impressed on me, and and I might have hinted at this last show, was that it's really a lot of work. You have to really love just being out and amusing yourself and talking to random people. You just have to love that. If you don't love that, you won't survive. You have to find a way to really enjoy doing that. You have to find some kind of enjoyment in that one way or the other. So if you just don't like talking to people, then just give up? Well, either A, just give up, or B, make yourself do it for a while. And eventually I think that what you kind of have to do is that you'll you'll get like these pings of – positivity out of like the sea of like negative results and those little pings of positivity are the ones that like keep you going you know where like you know you'll you'll meet someone and have a cool conversation that you didn't expect right or you'll have you'll find some relation to somebody that you never met before that you didn't expect and these things you can never predict them you know you never know what kind of connection you'll make with a random person that's the beautiful thing about trying to connect with random people is that you never know what's going to happen and once you make that connection, it's just – it's such a beautiful thing and it's, such a, it's so wonderful because it was you who made it. You know, you made that possible through, you know, your, your, your own willpower, right? You took the initiative to discover what kind of connection you have with somebody and you made that possible. And that's what keeps you going. It's not necessarily about, oh, you know, I laid this girl tonight, you know. Okay, so, so – okay, so a couple more things. Okay, real quick. So – Here's a couple of things that I did that totally blew my mind, right? So we were we were at the firehouse in Tempe one night and I don't I don't remember when this was exactly, but um so another first that happened to me was, you know, I, I engaged two girls that were on the dance floor, right? And I was like totally like going crazy dancing with them and I totally understand why this would happen, but this was the first time this happened to me, right? So I was like so high energy at that moment and just so in the moment about it. Like, I wasn't even thinking about stuff. I was just doing whatever, right? Just dancing with these two girls that two other girls noticed me and one of the girls kept on pushing the other one into me like three times, right? So so a set of two girls, right, they opened me because I was so high energy because they saw my energy with other people. And, and that will happen too. And that was pretty amazing, you know? So I got one of their phone numbers. So that was pretty cool. Um, the other, so it was, it was Halloween weekend of parties this past weekend, right? So I had my Conan outfit. Um, it was a pretty spectacular outfit, by the way. Yeah. I was, it, it fit you like a glove. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I had the same feeling too. And this was also the most invested I'd ever been in a costume in my life too. So it was a pretty elaborate costume. And the great thing about Conan is that Conan's a barbarian. And so barbarians don't need to talk. They can just pick up women and do what they want with them. I I suppose that's true. I don't know if it if it works in Which the I 2000s, encouraged, but I did encourage him to do so. And yeah, he so did he would, go yeah. ahead, Tony. He did. He you went up to this one girl. What, what bar was that at? Uh, Shotgun Betty's. Shotgun you mean, Betty's. You mean the, uh, the the super hot uh, Jessica Rabbit. She was really hot, and Ara. I said you should go talk to her, and Ara in his Conan outfit walked up and picked her up. In a very strange fashion, how would you like laterally? Like I kind of like yeah, I guess like you she almost was... bashed her head on the wall. Like you came really close to killing that woman, <laughs> and then you proceeded to carry her down the stairs with her body going horizontally, and she was kind of fine with it. And she was also about a foot taller taller than you, so at least a foot taller, and dressed like a total like resident like the Resident Evil girl or something. No, she was dressed like Jessica Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit or yeah. something, and he she had her dress like pasted onto her boobs okay it was pretty funny she was she was super duper hot she was like her waist i swear like if i if i like my i could probably like have my fingers almost touch like that's how skinny her waist was if i put my arms around her she waist. was so fine with you doing that too. it was it was beautiful because first of all i was kind of like oh there's some guy talking to her and her back is facing the wall and like that's gonna this is gonna be a weird approach and tony's like no just do it and i was like okay fine so I went and I did it. First of all, right? Like the guy. When you say did it? You mean you just went over and literally picked this girl up without talking to her? Well, I tapped her on the shoulder. I made it first, right? Now you got to get a couple things right, you know. And then I was like, I don't know. I just said something to her. I picked her up, right? She was in a set talking with a guy already, right? That guy was just blown out, right? Like didn't do anything about it, whatever. 
So I just pick her up. I take her to the other part, right down the steps, and and she's and she was like, "I'm so impressed with with your uh, with your approach." Like she was she was literally complimenting me on how happy she was that uh, I did the barbarian style approach. Here. We'll be right back. We're back, and that last segment was brought to you by UAT, the University of Advancing Technology, educating you in all manners possible. So, um, maybe we should give out our, our our Google Voice number. We haven't done that yet. We have one of those. Yes, we do, and it's four eight zero four four two sixty three twenty one, or. If you want to give letters equal opportunity, that's four eight zero four game twenty one. All right, have we have we gotten one of those messages in the last week? No. So you guys give us a call. We haven't gotten one in the yeah. last week. We also have a website. You can email us. By the way, the website was kind of broken for a couple of days this past week, so I apologize about that. Um, it seems to be working now, and the feed was also not completely working properly, but that also seems to be fixed. iTunes was only down for a short time, but. Uh, Anyway, things are working now. The website is ga- uh, chatterboxgameshow.com. Our emails are there. That's usually how we get communication from you fine folks. So, Okay, so final report. Got to be quick. One month of hard work. It's down. One month gone. So um, I'm basically seeing – well, I had, a, I, had, I had a date on – I had a date last week. I had a date with another girl on Sunday. Real I, quick, thumbs up, thumbs down. I have a date. What do you mean, thumbs up? The past past date went well, didn't go well. No, they're all they're all thumbs up. I'm going to be working on all of them. Okay. Um, date on Sunday, and I also have a date on Wednesday. On actual Halloween day. Yeah. Okay. So right I'm I'm rather pleased. I'm very happy. Well, I am happy for you. Now. It's game time. All right. So and by game time, I mean video game time. Yeah. So now, okay. Well, when we talk about video games. Not other game time. Right. Okay. So you brought an article to my attention very recently, actually. But this is, this is a few days old. I didn't, uh, I yeah, didn't know about this until today. This huge games media awards debacle. So. That I, started on this past Wednesday. I hadn't heard about this at all. So I. I'm not willing to accept that this is really that big a deal in terms of, like, the attention that it's getting out there. But it's kind of a big deal for me yeah, well, because I'll, I know one of the players involved. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's a big deal. Um, let, me, let me break down what happened very quickly. Basically, there's this, there's this thing called the Games Media Awards that I'm going to rant about a little later. Referred to as the GMAs. Yeah, and I guess it happens in the UK. And um, there was apparently some kind, some company, I guess, maybe was supposedly doing a promotion that involved uh, games journalists, where if the games journalists ostensibly would tweet and tweet a hashtag about said product, they could win a PlayStation 3. Yeah. To be clear, though, I, I doubt it was, like, limited to only if you were a games journalist, except anyone there was essentially a games journalist. Oh, that's not the impression I had. I had the impression that there was just... But maybe you're right. We, we're not sure. Anyway, um, that's not the controversial part. The controversial part is that um, this gentleman... Um, Rab? First name Rab... Last name something else. Last name Florence. Yeah, Florence. He wrote an he wrote an article about this, um, criticizing it, and I think that it was a fantastic piece, and I think that uh, somebody needed to write it. And His criticism was was actually it seemed to start off with Jeff Keeley and the whole Doritos thing. Well, the whole thing is the whole thing is totally fucked up because I, I, I don't want to create too many. Un, un, unended threads here, though. Um, basically, 
he wrote about why he thought that the whole that whole stuff was fucked up, and he, and also why the the that conference, what's it called, that awards, the GMAs, the GMAs, why they're fucked up, and I think they're fucked up too. Um, and also, he wrote about this one uh, lady who is in the press who participated in this kind of tweeting promotion to win a PS3 and she apparently also tweeted that like, oh, well, you know, it's no big deal. We should be able to tweet for free products too if we want to. Um, and he was basically explaining why that's really, really bad for a journalist to do that because it's you're a journalist and it's your industry and it's a conflict of interest and oh my God, right? Yeah, so can I, can I step in there for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was a, a lot of like this does stem stem to the girl specifically, which we'll get into further in a minute. This girl is Lauren Wainwright. For anyone who's been listening to this show for a long time, you may have heard of uh, one of our forum goers because we used to have forums for Chatterbox, right? Uh, one of our forum goers was named Atheistium, and. I don't know if she's ever appeared on the show before. We've definitely talked about her on the show. This is like back in the days of of Rich being on the show a long, long time ago. Um, so Atheistium and Lauren Wainwright are the same person. Uh, so she was like a big listener of the show, big time. Um, proponent of the show. I would talk to her um, every once in a while. Like she was at E3 with us and like the Detoid people and... Uh, spent a lot of time with her. So now suddenly she's like in the middle of this whole thing that results in something else, an action of Florence's, of Rab Florence's. Yeah, so basically Rab wrote an article and um, he wrote some things in the article about Lauren, which uh, mostly were quoting Lauren. And apparently um, this was very upsetting to his employer, Eurogamer, I believe. And um, you know, apparently they thought this was going to be libel or like Lauren somehow maybe threatened no. Lauren, libel. Lauren's editor in chief for where she works, which is not Eurogamer. Okay, wrote to Eurogamer and said, "Hey, could you take that out? It it borders on libel." Um, which I don't know if the laws are harsher in Europe. But they, well, in or the UK, they're, they're super duper strict. Okay, really so big deal in UK. It makes sense then that Eurogamer may say, "Hey, you know what? This is not important enough for us to risk some sort of court battle, and we're going to edit out that part." And so they have an apology thing. Hey, something was written about Lauren, and we edited that part out. And otherwise, the article is the same. Yeah, and so um, in in uh, so what happened was Lauren, Rob's article, Rab's article gets censored it's you can find it there you can also find the uncensored version on the internet somewhere and um he is he's either it's not clear to us yet but he's either quit voluntarily or was compelled to quit as a result of this whole debacle so he no longer works for Eurogamer, right as a result of now i'm kind of surprised because lauren right like instead of lauren issuing like a response there's like no public response for her right she locked her twitter account right apparently her I'm not too surprised. If you want to continue to be employed, and she's like freelance anyway, but if you just want to continue to have a good name, you basically can't generate this awkward publicity. So it makes sense. Yeah, but she hasn't even like – we don't know what she has to say for herself because she's just basically gone away and has not responded. Yeah, exactly. So you think that's cool? Well, I mean in a perfect world, she would be able to express herself and say what she wants, but – the world is not perfect, and it is run by lawyers and PR people and people who will hire you. And so I can tell you, right, like straight out of my experience, Lauren is a great person. She is a, a true – like I know people, I know girls who have gotten into this industry and who have gotten into high places in this industry just because they're girls and I guess can form complete sentences from time to time, right? But they are – pretty much idiots they don't know anything about games they just pretend to know something about about games because they liked bubble bobble once and they realized that nerds love them right so they're in this industry for no good reason lauren is like the real deal she really does love games she's into it for real she wants to write about it she used to work at like i think you know the store in europe called game it's like basically gamestop but okay 
it's called game and it's been doing horribly lately and stores have been closing everywhere like i'm pretty sure she worked there like for no money just because she okay, wanted well, to be I'll, in the game industry i'll take i'll take your words at face value so it looks like the crux of this problem here is that basically rab accused her of like changing her um her twitter like background picture to something tomb raider related and all this other stuff and it's not clear whether she did it because she loves this new Tomb Raider game that isn't out yet so much or because she was actually compelled by nefarious... Or that she was just getting paid, basically. Yeah, or she was getting paid yeah. to do it. So, 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 thanks to the Barbara Streisand effect, now I'd like to read the censored part of this article. Oh, which is now getting more attention because of the censorship. Yes. That's what you mean. Yes. Yeah, so, so, thank you everybody, whoever censored it, because now everyone's going to focus on this. So he goes, one games journalist, Lauren Wainwright, tweeted, quote, Erm, Tryon were giving away PS3s to journalists at the GMAs. Not sure why that's a bad thing, question mark. I assume that came in response to someone else saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. So people were upset because of this promotion that journalists were participating in, right? And she's saying, I don't, like, what, what's wrong with that, right? Now, and so this continues. Now, a few tweets earlier, she also tweeted this, quote, Laura Header, comma, 2TR p- Tomb Raider, picks in the gallery and a very subtle TR background. Hashtag obsessed at Tomb Raider and then some URL for some Twitter picture. And instantly I am suspicious. I am suspicious of this journalist's apparent love for Tomb Raider. I'm asking myself whether she's in the pocket of the Tomb Raider PR team. I'm sure she isn't, but the doubt is there. After all, she sees nothing wrong with journalists promoting a game to win a PS3, right? Another journalist, one of the winners of the PS3 competition, tweeted this at disgusted RPS writer John Walker, who also, John Walker, kudos to you. Quote, it was a hashtag, not an advert. Get off the pedestal, unquote. Now, this was Dave Cook, a guy I've met before, a good guy as far as I could tell. But I don't believe for one second that Dave doesn't understand that in this time of social media madness, a hashtag is just as powerful as an advert. Either he's on the defensive or he doesn't get what being a journalist is actually about. Yeah, so there's this thing that happens when you grow up and you pay attention to the world and you win companies that make you realize this. And it is that your actions have meaning and there's this, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, Perception of impropriety, right? You have to be careful and do the right thing even... Or it do, doesn't matter whether you've done the right thing or not. Yeah, All that matters need, is the perception, right? You need to make sure that you're not doing anything to make people even think that you're doing the wrong thing, even if you're not. Right. So, for instance, there are people who work for the lottery, and they're probably not allowed to participate in the lottery, even if they wouldn't use their, the fact that they work there to their advantage and like somehow manipulate the results or somehow get the results early or something. Right. They're just not allowed to participate. Because if they won, people would be like, hmm, What? So that's part of this. We'll be right back to talk about it more. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. Once again, it's Chatterbox. 
Video Game Radio. Sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology, who we will always tell you is absolutely awesome. Just because they sponsor the show. We won't ever say anything bad about them, ever, ever. All right, so I was talking about the the perception of impropriety. I'm not going to go into this too much more. I think you guys get get what I'm saying. You basically have to make sure people don't think that you're doing something nefarious. Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm absorbing your words now. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's that. But on, on top of that, there's certainly a case to be said, like you're right, uh, or whoever wrote that was right, that tweeting is essentially advertising. Everything you say when you're in the public eye and someone you know, reads what you're saying to get reviews and whatnot, like right. once you're you're marked as someone who reviews stuff, then things you say about that type of thing are considered a review uh, just because that's what people go to you for. And that's exactly why these PR people want you to tweet about stuff because it looks like it's not an advertisement. It looks like a genuine um, opinion. So right. people will, oh, you know, Tomb Reader must be really good because she thinks it's good or at least is saying it's good exactly. in this way that's you know, doesn't have the word advertisement written across the page. Now, as you know, I used to be press. Yep. And, um, you know, I've kind of talked about this before, but this is a great time to bring it up yet again. You, you might say that we still are press. We are still press. You're right. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, so there's, there's actually there's two things about this whole situation that really pissed me off. And it's not so much even anything that we've described up until this point. The first thing that pissed me off is the fact that, um, you know, such and such a person wrote an article or expressed thoughts that were critical of the press's involvement with, you know, PR and publishers and how there may be conflicts of interest or the appearance of conflict of interest may exist, right? I thought that was fantastic that there's somebody there to voice those criticisms because those kinds of criticisms are deserved and need to be said. What pisses me off is that his voice was met with such utter disdain it was like oh get over it or oh you're just being a hater or oh it just completely dismissed and it it, it are you saying because his stuff was censored or because people responded to him saying we shouldn't be doing this stuff no i think just because yeah just because he expressed an opinion that saying hey look guys we shouldn't be doing this stuff right there was a really surprising amount of backlash against just that idea and that, that's kind of shocking to me. I mean, you guys, you, like all these guys that are pressed, like what, are you, like what is wrong with you? You know, like we, like, we got to have some standards here. And there's somebody out there saying, hey, let's have some standards. And you guys are just like, no, no, let's have no standards. Let's just blur the line between PR and press completely. Let's just all be product pushers, you know? Let's just relegate every single piece of the media down to a fucking catalog. Is that what we want? So what I was saying before about this perception of impropriety is something you gain as you grow up yeah. or an, an understanding of this perception. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. A lot of the games media are very young people who get these jobs early on in life. They get paid very little and the perks are pretty much all they have to make the job something that anyone would want. Now, you know, the, the reason for that is varied, but that's the result, right? Like I... I want to be in this. This is fun. I get to do these cool things. Right. And uh, it also means that the people you work for probably are getting paid in certain ways as well. And they, they don't want you to do anything to ruin that. And you don't want to do anything to ruin it either. And so on one side, I get it. Like, I love free stuff too. And I've told, I've said right out on the show before, if you send me something for free, I will pretty much sure as hell talk about it. I try to make sure that I don't give you something false like when i talked about i think the last thing i talked about was the ssd for my mac right like it but really least, is good at least you're and out I in the about open it. about it at least you say oh look i got this for free and now i'm saying these things about it right yeah and i so i try to do that right i'm not going to try and pretend uh on this show i like to think that we're relatively respectable um not completely but but a little bit yeah well the, the whole thing i mean the whole thing about why it's wrong is that you it's it's the possibility or the case of when you're actually misrepresenting something to a listener or to a reader, right? If you're out in the open about it, then I think it's fine. Just disclose everything. Have some fucking standards for well, God's sake. At least in the United States, there's actually laws that say you have to disclose it. Now, I think a lot of people don't know those things, yeah. and so they don't necessarily act on them. But um, part of this is because people are 
too young to realize that they need to break free from this. So like you look at journalism, more traditional journalism, and people have worked their way up from, you know, the small crap jobs. They've been in, in journalism for 10 years before anybody actually knows yeah, their I, name. Yeah, I think I, – I call, I call bullshit though. I mean don't they teach ethics in journalism? No, but you don't take journalism before you become a games blogger. You do whatever it is you did yeah, in college or high school. I mean, if you even went to college, and then you just end up writing about games. So you don't have formal training. Uh, I mean, most bloggers, I suspect, don't have formal. Yeah, training. you're pro- you're right. You're right. And so they don't get that. They don't get educated on ethics. They don't get educated in the workplace because they haven't been there long enough. The only thing that they have to benefit from are the perks, which are gained potentially through you know these these wrong means. Right. And. So, like, I, I understand how it happens. Yeah, well, I at get least, it. Yeah, and I, it just it takes some sort of life lessons like these to learn that, oh, we shouldn't be doing that. I, I, I suppose. I mean, I'm glad that there's at least some people voicing the things that need to be voiced. The second thing that pisses me off is that this, this Game Media Awards, I didn't even know about this until yeah. today. To be I clear, Games Media thing. Awards are awards to the people who write in Games Media. This is, it's not just that. This is an award show that's put on by the publishers and the people doing PR for them to give awards to their favorite media people like writers and reviewers. Yeah, I see I can't even have a problem with this because it's such an obvious sham. Right? It's so obviously fraught with conflict of interest. That we talked it's, about. I mean, it, it might as well be called the Conflict of Interest Awards. Yeah. So, like, the Spike TV Awards are, are the closest analogy I can come to in America, but it's not at all for the same thing, right? The Spike TV Awards aren't to the writers, although, actually, it is because they do have an award for best blog and whatever. Huh. So, like, um, you know, I read Joystick all the time, and Kotaku was up for the award, and someone else, and I think Kotaku actually won the first one, but they they sort of laugh about it. Like, they talk about how they weren't even... They didn't want to accept their award or something, one of them. Right. Um, or if they won, they didn't want to accept the award. And so it, Spike TV Games Awards is mostly for games, a little bit about writers. The The GMAs are all about the writers, but it's the, it's the same idea where, like, it's when you see the results, at least, with, of the Spike TV Awards, you realize it is so obviously put on by marketing, so obviously in the pockets of the people who who run the show and the games industry, that it is just, it can't be real. Games that should not even come close to Game of the Year are winning. Right. And all these games are getting awards that no one thinks are good or certainly not better than the competition that didn't win. And so, like, we all laugh at the Spike Awards because we know it's it's BS, right? And this one, like, the, you don't even have to see the awards to know that it's BS because it's if it's put on by the publishers yeah, or the it's people like, who write it's about like, them. It's like, what blog does EA like the most? The one that gives them all tens. Yeah, like well, big surprise for that one. Yeah, it's um, or it's probably not even that. It's probably just whoever drives most traffic to them or something. But uh, they uh, usually they usually go hand in hand. I can't even fathom this, dude. I'm like I'm beside myself. Like, what kind of crazy dimension are we living in where this exists? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it appeals. Like I talked about how these these young writers don't know the rules. The youngsters that they're appealing to are even less aware of the rules. Of, uh, by yeah. rules, well, I, I don't mean even like know the way if the, the game... general public knows about this award show. I mean, it's just basically like some kind of wank fest in between the the PR and you know the. And the oh, writers. you think so? You think it's more private? Well, yeah, because it's not. I mean, it's not. F- I don't. I don't, I don't know much about it. I mean, neither of us really know all that. I'm much. speculating. I mean, I've never. I heard just of figured it. it was televised or something. But I, if it's not, yeah, that's even worse. It's just like, hey, everybody, get in a room, and we're going to tell you who paid us more money. I mean, I, I doubt it's hits. televised. I mean, who would want to watch a show about like? But in that case, best... which one of them would take it seriously and, and even attend? I don't know. I mean, the the other thing, one of these writers, um, either John Walker or or Rab, writes about this show. I think it's Rab. He writes about this in detail. And, no, actually, maybe John Walker does too, because he's because he's won awards there, and he writes critically about the show, and and I think that, and then Rab says that it basically, you know, it shouldn't exist, and and I agree. Yeah. It's just it's just so insane, and like John Walker writes about how like you know, what they don't usually talk about is that the people who win an award get like this basically like this treasure chest, the like very very valuable stuff, you know? Do they? Yeah, it's not just like a bag full of like Oreos, you know. 
Interesting. I I would like to read more about that. I want the specifics. Yeah, of what but they, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't advertise. You know that the person. You know the the writer, the media writer who won the award gets all this expensive stuff. Yeah. You know, so as if, part of their prize. If package. you appease them throughout the year long enough, then eventually you'll get this really cool package of something. Yeah, it's just like conflict of interest. The awards. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm done with this. Well, I mean, I I want to say like earlier, I was saying Lauren is is a pretty cool person. It. Uh, it's a shame that she got caught up in the middle of this and is getting this this level of like negative attention. At the same time, she is young, and it probably will be a good learning experience for her to understand that there is potential conflict of interest that she needs to consider. And never those things. underestimate the power of Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And I, I wonder if she still listens to the show, but if, if she or, or someone who you know has her ear wants to let her know that we know about it and uh, I'm pulling for her and I, she should contact me. Tried to follow her on Twitter today. She's all, you know, she's blocked and whatnot. But I have to write her an email and be like, hey, follow me. But I hope, uh, I hope that she lives through it and still gets work after this because it was really very negative on her. Yeah. She could do better. All right. So we only have a, God, this whole show has just gone right by. A um, couple minutes left. Maybe even one minute. Maybe maybe just one minute. I've got... There's so many things. You that got, because if you don't got something, I got... Go, go for it. All go right, fast. Right, let's talk about dead or alive boobs. Haven't we talked about that before? No, we didn't talk about it. Okay. So apparently, um, dead or um, when they were making that game... There was like the the company Tecmo was like, oh, you guys, you know, we've been receiving a lot of feedback. You guys should really tone down the boobs, tone down the sexuality. So apparently, while the game was in development, close to release, the boobs were made much smaller. And then a lot of people complained. And they're like, why are the boobs so small? We want them bigger again. And then so they made them bigger again, right? And I don't know. I just think that this is kind of like... This is just a really interesting statement about, in my opinion, how if you listen to what people say, you will always do things wrong, right? You do not, when you're making a product, when you're making a creative piece of work, you should not be listening to exactly what your customers say. Because as, as Henry Ford said, if we had asked everybody what, what they wanted, we would have just made faster horse-drawn carriages. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting story of uh, feedback causing change. Because what's funny is, and I don't know that a lot of people know this, when you work at a company that makes a product or really does anything, all it takes is a few people in your ear telling them, telling you that they like something or dislike something to affect. Like if you can just be that one guy who sits next to the president on the plane on the way somewhere, yeah. like you can totally make stuff change just because you got the right guy. And um that happens a lot. In fact, it's kind of why Christians are running America right now, because they get a few peop- people to be really loud and tell the politicians to do stuff. Now you're getting all political represent. on me. It's just an example, right? It, it gets change done when it doesn't represent the populace. Anyway, thank you, everyone. What's your website, Tony? Oh, absoluteability.com. See you next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.